All righty. How's it going? It's good. good. I'm on meeting six of today. Oh my God. Ooh, that's a lot of meetings. Welcome to DanceCast. I'm your host, Seema Belmar. Today I'm talking with Chloe Zimberg. Chloe is the creative director at ODC. We're going to find out what that means. Chloe is half of Chloe & Co. Dance, which she founded in 2015 with Courtney King. We're also going to talk about ODC Theater's new adventures in guest curation. But first, the ODC calendar for December. Brimming with wit, festive costumes, madcap characters, and the perfect amount of holiday cheer. Can you really have too much holiday cheer? Never! ODC Dance returns to the stage and on demand with the beloved Bay Area holiday tradition, The Velveteen Rabbit, directed and choreographed by KT Nelson. Four live performances take place December 4th through the 12th. Tickets are on sale now at ODC Dance slash Velveteen Rabbit. Hello. Hello. Welcome to DanceCast. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So your creative director, that's a, a new title. It is a new title. It's um, entirely new job for ODC theater. The context that is useful and important is that in the past, ODC theater has, in most recent years, had a theater director who was the single curator for the space. And so that role was really in charge of curating um, our presented content, identifying folks that we would co-present. That just meant that they would have a 50% off discount for a rental of the space and then co-presentation billing and being included in our season materials. Um, and then we had our rentals program. And so when Julie Potter got her dream job and left us for Vienna, we all really took a minute to say, what does the theater need? And it became pretty evident that moving forward with a single curator model didn't feel right necessarily. And I was already programming an operations manager. So I was deeply in the web of ODC theater from a more strategic framework. And so we started looking at what would it mean to have a role that we titled creative director that is really the strategic holder <laughs> of the space, thinking about what are we trying to do long-term? How does our programming sort of all function? What are our long-term goals and are we getting there and are we on track to get there? And a big piece of that was then looking at the curation and saying, okay, I think that it's important to have multiple curators and have the artistic leadership really get distributed more and then have my role be operationally holding the brick and mortar, the operational brick and mortar together so that those curators don't have to get into the weeds of how ODC operates and, and understand in a short amount of time and get onboarded. Uh, so I really steward those curators and think about what the programmatic buckets are going to be. And I work closely with our executive and artistic director to just flesh that out. If anybody's been awake the last year or two, you know, there's some understanding of why distributing curatorial power makes sense. But can you talk a little bit about your vision for that or how it came about? Who needed to be on board with that? Were there tensions with that? Is there still some fantasy of like this one curatorial vision for a theater? I'm curious about it vis-a-vis -vis ODC, but also more 
generally what you understand about what's happening with theaters in terms of their curatorial practices? I mean, I don't think that distributed curatorial leadership is a new idea. I don't think that ODC Theater came up with that. I don't think that I came up with that. I think that there are a lot of people who have been doing that and doing it well and doing it in really different ways. And I also don't think that ODC held on for very long to this notion of a single curator. There, It was pretty much a conversation that went... Chloe, what do you think we should do? <laughs> I said, I don't think we should have a single curator. I don't think that we should post this, this job as it exists. I think that we should take the time to think about what makes the most sense. Then everyone said, yeah, that makes sense. I think, <laughs> yes. So there, no, there was not tension around, is that the right thing to do? I think that where it got more nuanced and where it gets interesting is it's the question of when we make external folks, the curators of the space, how does that affect the artists that have relationships to ODC, to ODC theater that are developing through, say, rental subsidies programs or a pilot program or a resident artist program or who have rented Studio B for five years in a row to have their smaller show and, and think about ODC as a campus where a lot of people can see their work and where Traditionally, a theater director could be tracking the development and growth of an artist and say, wow, you've really done these things, you're, you're developing, and I've been watching you, and now I'm excited to say we should present you next year. And that definitely shifts when there's not one person whose eyeballs are on the field, the, the, specifically the local field. We want to be thinking about those pathways, and we want to be thinking about how the piece of ODC theater's mission, which is developing innovative artists, gets answered if we're outsourcing curation. I think it's a yes and. I think that all of those things are important. I think the call to outsource the curation was really around how can we dedicate my role to making sure that we're operating and we're, we're hosting in a more, I don't know, felt and just operational ways. It's like logistically cleaner and a smoother process for artists. So I think outsourcing curation also created that capacity in my role to think very carefully about what series of meetings does an artist need to really understand what's going on when they're working with us. And now I can really spend some time on that. And the guest curation is happening not just in our presented content too, right? There's this way that we're trying to infuse that into the art, the projects that we produce, the projects that are getting discounted rentals. That used to be a very internally held review process. And so it feels really good that that's inviting folks from the community to come in. And I also think that when we do that, it expands the marketing, it expands the outreach, it expands the number of folks that know that these opportunities exist. We had more applications for our current rentals discount initiative than we've had for what has been the opportunity fund in any year that I've been at ODC. And the number of applications almost mirrored the number of applications we had four years ago for our resident artist program. So it felt like that got out in a different way. And then we'll also have guest curators working to curate visual art in our lobby and help create free community engagement events every month at the theater. And so with all of that, I think it's really asking the question of how can we engage more people to help us point to more artists that we wouldn't know 
And then also we have to continue thinking about how do we support and develop the artists that are on site and that are really trying to grow a career in the Bay locally. These are the theories that we're testing for 2022 and trying to stay in audit with and trying to stay adaptive. Also knowing that 2022 is still a very specific year as it pertains to artists getting back on their feet after COVID-19. So I think that we're not trying to say, now this is what ODC Theater does. From here on out, this is our you know X number of year plan. We're trying to say, what do people need next year? How can we try to deliver that? How can we try to deliver that? Knowing that some of the projects are still pre-pandemic, even in 2022, an amount of our calendar was not curated by our curators, was not you know, identified by the rentals discount initiative. There are still folks that are like bumping their projects into 2022 because they weren't able to happen this year. So 2023 will be the first time we have a clean slate. And I'm happy to say there are areas where the answer is like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. And I think that that is something that UDC has been really supportive of and has been a really rich conversation. I feel like my supervisors are like, okay, let's like be with the, I don't know, and figure it out and figure out who needs to be a part of this conversation and how we need to change the roles so that we can continue being in that space. I mean, I think that one of the good things about the pandemic (laughs) is that it has forced people to be more improvisational and also to wake up to the fact that actually we always need to be improvisational. And so like to keep that spirit alive for ODC or for any organization seems so important. I always have this terror that people are just going to try to revert to acting like they have control (laughs) as opposed to seeing what's in front of them. It makes perfect sense to me that by distributing curatorial power, you're going to reach artists that you wouldn't, that an individual wouldn't have access to. It's the same thing with the guest editorial. I wrote to three people and asked those three people, who do you know? And they lead reached out. Who do you know that wants to write? They reached out to the people they know in communities. And I met people I never would have had direct access to. So that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned these sort of two curatorial threads, the rental and then the presented artist. Is that what the two threads would be? So talk about these curators. Three also. Oh, three. Yeah. I mean, also the sort of community engagement and and lobby space. I don't want to like lose that in the... (laughs) Yeah in the conversation too, because it's another area that I think needs love and attention. Yeah. Tell us who are these curators? How did they come to be the curators? And then what are the, what are those three roles? What sneak peeks can we have or understand? I'm actually going to start with the gallery because it's honestly the least developed right now. What we're going to be doing is thinking about creating three free activities, nights at ODC Theater each month in 2022. And one of them is going to be a first Friday art opening. I'm going to be bringing in a guest curator quarterly who will identify visual artists. There will be monthly art installations in the gallery space identified by a guest curator. And then we'll be producing that first Friday art opening. We're calling them lobby nights. And I want them to be free, fun moments with drinks. And it is a visual art opening. And also maybe there's like a dance open mic aspect where 
artists can come and show five minutes of something that they've been toying around with in their living room. And I also think that it can be a way to get more new audiences into the space, really activating that lobby space right on 17th and on Shotwell and, and trying to interact with the neighborhood a little bit more. And so that's also an area where I've been in conversation with some of our neighborhood businesses. And I have a dream that what will be developing is like a live art walk in the neighborhood and that other businesses would be a part of this and we would be activating sort of our front front spaces in free ways. I think that it also speaks nicely with what we'll be doing on the third Monday of every month, which is a smattering of panel discussions or free workshops or uh, how do you read a theater rental contract? Come and let's page through it so that artists can understand what this like many page thing is that they get asked to sign. Or in the past, ODC did a like headshot stay. Uh, so is that something that we bring back and say, let's have a day where we set up a camera and like take free headshots for artists in the community. So that one will shift and change a little bit more month to month, but I have been seeing some nice correlations. We have one group who wants to do a panel on the intersection of climate change and the arts and also a curator for the gallery who is really interested in that and wants to think about what visual artist will be up that month. So I think that there is uh, overlap and, and collaboration that can happen in a nice way. So we don't have all of those curators set up yet. We know more about the others. So then we have the rentals discount initiative, and that was five guest curator panel that had Marlene Garcia, Alleluia Panisse, Dazon Solane, Farah Yasmin Shaikh, and Leah Mona Tawil. And that was a really exciting process. In the past, we've had the Opportunity Fund, which a bunch of folks have participated in, and that was typically awarding two to eight projects per year, subsidized access to ODC theater rentals. It was internally reviewed. And then we also had these co-presentation opportunities that were also discounted. And we just sort of did this whole audit of what are these different ways that you can gain discounted access to the theater. And we tried to smush them all together and make it a little bit more cut and dry and also apply this guest curatorial lens to that. So that's where we got to the rentals discount initiative. And it was a really straightforward application process. I <laughs> had to actually figure out how to define more than I wanted to, because I wanted to say like, what do you want to do? But obviously that doesn't give the panelists necessarily enough information to go off of. So we had a series of prompts of, you know, write on any of these things that feel relevant, write about a page or submit like an audio recording if you'd prefer to speak your proposal. Um, and then there was a short series of sort of yes and no questions, demographic questions. Um, how many weeks would you want to use? Are you trying to premiere a new work that has a public event? Are you trying to just do a rehearsal residency? Um, and so all of that information was collated and our guest curators each did an independent review first that was a bit more quantitative where they went through and um, reviewed each of the applications, submitted their own notes, and also like looked at different key areas to say like, how does this project relate to like these key, these different objectives and then they came together to do a full more like qualitative panel review by the end of that ended up identifying projects to I think they selected 12 projects that awarded 
five weeks that were just sort of rehearsal based. So an artist doesn't need to have a publicly ticketed event. They can come in and build a technical residency. They can come in and shoot a film that they want to shoot. They can just rehearse in the space for a week. And then there were 14 weeks that were associated with having a publicly ticketed event and having a show. So the panel was really sort of tasked with navigating like, okay, how many weeks do we need to have a show? How many weeks can we not have a show? How many weeks can we award at 50% off? How many weeks can we award at 100% off? There was a really wide array of applicants relative to like styles, relative to location. We had applications from Washington, Oregon, and California, New York, actually, as well. Colorado, I think we had one. So there was a real mix of, of applications, which was exciting. And they kind of had to think about this matrix of how do we navigate all of these different objectives. Um, and then they sent that roster to me. And then I went through and started to schedule all of those projects. A big thing that we are trying to do there is weave those renters closer into the calendar of events for ODC theater and really make sure that we're talking about them and thinking about them as a real integral part of our calendar and season because they cover the majority of the weeks realistically like we want to be talking about those folks and we want people to know that they're going to be on site and that they're presenting at ODC theater. The five guest curators are curating collectively. They were curating collectively. That's where they each did sort of an independent review. We wanted to make sure that there was sitting in a room by yourself and being like, what do I think of these applications to cut through any potential bandwagon effect where you get into the room and all of a sudden all of the energy is around one project or not around another project. The first component was please read all of these, please put notes on every application. And then they worked collectively to really get at, okay, how are we going to actually create a roster here and, and select projects for award or for discount, I should say. The guest curators for the rentals initiative were really more so picking picking those projects and then stepping back to say, you get a week at 100% off in the theater, go forth <laughs> um, and work with ODC to make it happen. But um, that is also actually a really key part of the conversation for ODC theater staff right now is this metaphor of how do we make the artist the boss? How do we how do we shepherd them through the things that we know need to get done in order to get to that final show? But how do we create more room for customizing and letting them lead lead the process and lead the charge? Yeah. So now we're final at thread. the content that ODC Theater produces and presents, and so that is the arrangement such that we invite artists to come to ODC Theater. We pay them an artist fee and then they do whatever their engagement is with us. And for that, we have Charles Slender White and Amara Tabor Smith, and they came together and really curated collectively the two of them. Charlie brought his roster and Amara brought her roster. And, and I also brought a list of artists that have been pitching their projects to ODC or have expressed interest in being presented at ODC Theater. Um, so that I think is also a key thing to say that I was not as absent in that I definitely submitted like here's my column in the excel sheet of of who's interested and who's on my radar who's been on the theater's radar here are links to materials about their projects and then I stepped back and then I said okay Charlie Amara here's all of this information like what is the path forward 
they're super comfortable and excited by being in the, we don't know what this process is exactly. And we're happy to help dream about what it can be this year and what it could be in the future. And there were really pillar moments where like Amara came to me and said, I don't know that I can do this in this way. We need to change the structure of how these meetings are going to go and like what needs to be delivered when and the timing of it and you know, the scope of work. And then it was like, yeah, that's really important information. And now we'll change course. Uh, We're really thinking differently about the theme and content and engagement and structure of this new festival, which will be called State of Play. I think for both of them, community engagement really stuck out. They wanted to work with artists that, A, wanted to show up for one another and wanted to bring in other community partners. So we're looking at like, what does it mean to co-present with another org? What does it mean to identify, you know, specific communities or like bodies of people that an artist wants to reach and actually get them involved in planning ancillary activities around the show. So I think that there's, I think that they're trying to crack the egg on like, how do we make a more specific set of activities around each artist that in a festival context, somehow weave together in a thoughtful way. And in say a single single show running for a weekend fleshes out the whole week and really makes it not 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 about the show moment but not only about the show moment and not not just about the artists and ODC's audiences but not solely about the artists and ODC's audiences and who else can we bring in and who else how can we build out the shape of the engagement to be something a little bit more amorphous and bigger. We've been, so the theater has been in an interview process for the theater, for hiring a theater program associate. And one of the questions that we asked some of the candidates was like, what's an art moment recently that stood out to you? Okay, what's an interesting answer there? And like, also, how do we phrase that question? And we were like, yeah, it's not about like what you liked. It's about like, what do you remember? Because what impacted you? What left you thinking? There's plenty of things that I see where I'm like, I didn't like that. That wasn't my cup of tea. But geez, I'm still thinking about it. It did something. It affected me. And I think for me, it has something to do with, I felt as though the artist was doing something and I could see them being engaged in what they were doing. I, maybe I don't like it. Maybe I don't know what it is. Maybe I don't understand it. But uh, there is something compelling about seeing an artist truly embodying their process and truly embodying the thing that they're doing. It doesn't have to be complicated. It could just be sitting and breathing. You curate, you make a season. And then you don't really know until after the fact how things landed for you or for anybody else. So, I mean, you can't guarantee anything. Listening to them, there were moments where they would ask, like, when is it that we're curating an artist? And we don't really care what that artist does because we're stoked on having this person here and we just believe in what they're doing. When is it that we're curating a piece? Because it's like, I saw this piece and I want to bring this piece to the theater because I think that audiences need to see this piece of art. And when is it a hybrid of those two things. Yeah. And there's that fourth thing of, I don't know this artist and I've never seen their work, but they wrote a proposal that compels me to give it a chance. Yeah, like, I don't know what you're going to do, but like, yeah, it it. really feels like we should be seeing someone new. So like, let's, let's see what you are. Let's introduce you and like create space for that. One of the exciting things for me right now is thinking about how can we think about the theater as a space that is defining and redefining itself and helping be a leader in the field. I think that in the Bay Area, and I put my hand up as a person who says this, 
I think that we have a lot of millennials who want to stay home and watch Netflix and drink wine with their cat, myself included. Getting those audiences that are really excited about live art and excited about dance and out the door, going out to see a dance show feels like not the thing maybe for a lot of people or feels mystifying or feels like what's going to happen to me at a weird dance show. Like, and I share that at times, even in my own body. I think that we're trying to think about ways to welcome people and create an identity for ODC theater. And perhaps that identity is not one thing. Perhaps it is really trying to get at like, let's open the doors and like, let's get new artists in here. Let's get new audiences in here. Let's Let's let it be many different things. Let's celebrate the fact that we have musicians that rent the space every single year. And no, like we probably don't present music. Like we are definitely a, a dance campus, but also we love when like Philharmonia Baroque is here and they rent the space and they have a home here and we have small art music projects and they come in and they're trying to have their seasons with us. Like the way we can, I don't know, celebrate that dynamism and celebrate the fact that we can talk about all of that activity is exciting to me. There's kind of two ways that you can work with us. Either like you're renting the space and maybe you have a discount or not. And here's the process to apply for that. It happens once a year or you're being presented. And that means that we're producing you. And that's a really different relationship. But either way, we're going to put you on our calendar and we want to talk about the fact that you're here and we are excited about the fact that you're here. And we want to get engaged with all of those audiences and try to uh, be more present for everyone. And I think that it's a long track before that actually seeps into the feeling of being here. It does not happen overnight, but it's a big thing that I spend time thinking about. And it's something that I hope will manifest over the coming years, whether that's like by spring of 2022 or not, it probably won't be. You know, when you were talking about millennials and their Netflix and their cats and stuff, it's really funny. I, I, you know I, how much I love my cat. I, you know how I, much I, I wanted know her it. to be here for this interview. Absolutely. It's just wrong that she was absent, Samantha. I, I was thinking back to my 20s in the Bay Area and when I was starting to write dance criticism. And I went to performances like six times a week. I would go to two in one day. I'd go to a matinee in the evening. And I just... I had an endless capacity to do that, but that's because I was young and free. San Francisco was getting too expensive, but it was like on the, I got there sort of on the yeah. cusp, you know, and it was a different world. But at the same time, as I got older and other things happened, like children, like graduate school, whatever, the space and the energy to go out for a show at 8 p.m. became difficult and sort of untenable in some ways. And I have always wondered about like what you just said about happy hour, like, why don't we have the show at six? Like you get off work, you get some cocktails, you see the show, then you go out to dinner and you can talk about it. And then you're in bed by 10. I've always been like, I don't understand the 8 p.m. show, or at least let there be an option. Like Friday, it's at 8 p.m. and Saturdays at six or something or the opposite. We have been locked into certain ways of going to the theater that don't make sense. But right, that tension between brick and mortar life and theater life and, you know, adjusting to these different generational needs, economic needs, social needs. It's like, it's a big task. And what I'm hearing and what makes the most sense to me is that you don't know, you're living in the, you don't know, the curators are living in the, you don't know, and folks should be kind of excited to see what emerges because we don't know, but we have people with good brains who love performance, who love dance really working hard to 
keep it alive and thrive it. That's not the way you use thrive. That feels true to me. And there are really wonderful moments where artists come to me and say, this is a challenge that I'm having with these new models. And like, what is going on? And like, can you explain to, you know, and so I think that the feedback process too has been really illuminating. And I mean, it opens up a lot of questions about there's a finite number of weeks in a year. And the thing that ODC Theater has is this venue. And we have to be really thoughtful about what it means to provide access to that space and not provide access to that space. And of course, everyone needs it. Doesn't just want it, but needs it. Artists need space. So all of those conversations, the challenging ones and the really exciting ones are useful. And it's like, I just keep saying to people, my virtual doors are open, like book a meeting, like let's chat. And that's also something that in the last year I feel really supported in, which is that the organization afforded this role for me with a component of like, be engaged, talk to people. And so I feel like the number of Zoom, like, hi, nice to meet you meetings that I've had is kind of crazy. And I am grateful for that. And I really am attempting to bring all of those conversations into the, into the thinking. I don't, I don't want our programming to be arbitrary. I don't want it to be like, I thought this is a good idea. So that's what we're doing. I really tried to sit in the research process for quite a while before it was like, now you do need to start planning something. You do need to put something on paper. And also that's what we're doing right now and keep having the conversations so that you can put a new thing on paper next time. And, you know, we can get into decision fatigue where we like overanalyze. I can certainly do that. I'm an overanalyzer. I'm like a ruminator. I would just stay in the research space forever and probably like get nervous to activate something. And, you know, cause you have to, you have to stand by it. And it's been a really rewarding process asking myself to do that. And, and also staying with like, you can make a new choice. If this doesn't work, you can make a new choice. I do think that actually a piece of the philosophy right now is, and part of why we created the role that we created for me is how do we hold the ship and like hold the stage together and then allow for the art to be more different and dynamic and hold space from more different processes, right? What happens when an artist comes in and says, well, I don't want to do it that way. What does ODC theater really need to like achieve the show and get there? And what are the limitations of the space as they just are and our resources and, and our capacity to create this like unicorn project for everyone? And so, you know, how do we be real about that and transparent about that and not try to just say yes and then have artists be like, well, I thought that I was going to get this experience and you're not able to deliver on it. Like, it's better for us to be real about what we can do than not be. I think that there's a real part of ODC Theater's mission, which is around this, like, developing innovative artists. It's about being in process with them. It's about having the creative conversations with them and making time for them. That's something that I'm loving about this role, about saying, yeah, book time. Like, I just want to talk to you if you've got questions about the field. Like, I'm here for that. And how can... How can we think about each of these processes as a moment for like all of the wonderful expertise that we have on staff to not just be like, why don't you get that artist, but say, oh, like this is the first time you self-presented. Cool. Like you're going to need a production schedule. Like this is what mm. that looks like. Let's, let's help you. Let's really ask, what can I do to help? What, like, what do you need? And 
Um, maybe sometimes we don't have the thing. Maybe sometimes we don't have the answer and then we have to say that. But if we do have it, then let's dig into that and provide it. Very last thing. You've said unicorn project twice. And I'm like, does that mean a project that's worth a billion dollars? Or does that mean unique never happened before? What does that mean? I think that when I say that it's, yeah, like all the, all the bells and whistles over here in one category. And then this other artist has all of the bells and whistles that are entirely different. We want to achieve that as much as possible. And maybe I'm not even using that like metaphor correctly, because there's also the like, like the unicorn project, the unicorn artist, the unicorn candidate, like the, the thing that is just, just has so many different shimmering angles that are different and exciting and colorful and the gem, the diamond, you know, like entirely special. Unicorn like magical and sparkly, not unicorn like maybe we don't believe they exist. Maybe we do. The project <laughs> no, they very ex- much exist. <laughs> let's make them exist. Let's, let's make uni- let's manifest unicorns. Let's yeah, that's the new byline for ODC Theater. Let's manifest unicorns. Dancecast is produced through ODC by me, Seema Belmar, Sophie Lenoger, and Chloe Zimberg. Show notes are available at odc.dance stories, where you can also find a transcript of this podcast. Until next time, dance on. Dance on.